I'd like for you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians as we continue to look at the importance of a genuine church, an authentic church, a real church. And we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy, 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Erase that first part. Okay. Uh, and that, before we go to uh, the uh, scripture and before we look at the message, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you again for this opportunity, this time together with these believers and, and the others who are listening. And, and I just pray that, Lord, you'll help us to see what we need to see and help us to understand what we need to understand. We, uh, we want to be real before you and before others. And Lord, we want to have the right heart and we want to uh, do the right things for the right reasons. And so I just pray that you'll help us to uh, see how to be this genuine believer, how to be this real believer, how to be this believer who cares, who understands, who loves you and, and who uh, loves others and who is uh, growing in faith and who desires uh, uh, beyond anything else, to, to be more Christ-like. And that means uh, being Christ-like and in, in being the church, the body of Christ, and in, in being real before others, uh, uh, living out a real life. And so help us to understand that. Help us to be that. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. He says, therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and to encourage you as to your faith, so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor should be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. We're going to stop there. We'll be looking at the uh, entire chapter. But, you know, we live in a world of high tech, don't we? And high tech can mean great things i mean we have seen progression like uh, we have never seen it before uh, it's just moved us forward in so many ways but also if used the wrong way or if we don't think wisely when using it it can be a hindrance can it and it can be disturbing and it can be used against the church and so um we you know, we as a, a world, we as a church in a world of high tech, we we see this in so many different ways, and uh, where it hasn't been used wisely, and it it hasn't been used for 
God's furtherance. And so uh, we see people falling by the wayside because they've gotten tempted and, and brought into different things because they've pulled away from the church. This is believers in Jesus Christ, you know, getting, getting caught up in things that they shouldn't get caught up in. And the reason being is because gradually they what? They drifted away from being the genuine church, the genuine believer, because they began to isolate themselves. And, and it's easy to isolate yourselves when you're purely controlled by that and, and you're not brought together as a, a body of believers. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? We talked about the importance of caring for one another, being concerned, having that touch, and, and being genuine, and even through uh, exercising church discipline. And, and so uh, this is what, you know, Paul is, is basically talking about this in, in being the genuine touch. You, you are a genuine church. You need to have that genuine touch. You need to be a body of believers who come together and who uh, help one another grow spiritually. And this, you know, this can't happen as an I island to itself and if we're not careful we will become an island to ourselves. You know, how, how many of you have during this uh, COVID-19 have felt like you know you've been isolated to a great degree and 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 you miss the the fellowship and the touch even though uh, boy we're thankful for David and Ben and 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 you know Daniel back there in helping us and Bobby and others in helping us uh, be together through this technology, but it still it lacks that touch, doesn't it? And so we're thankful for it, and we're thankful that we can use it, and we can use it now even uh, for those that are not able to come to, to, uh, to reach into uh, their lives. But still there's nothing like that, that genuineness, that that touch that being there that being a part of it and God set it up that way and uh, Satan would like nothing better than for us to isolate ourselves and uh, to get further away because what happens when we get further away we begin to think primarily I, I don't care what anybody says if we begin to become a hermit and we begin to isolate ourselves and we're not into other people's lives then what are we thinking what are we thinking about we're thinking about ourselves primarily and when we think about ourselves, we don't think about others. And, and we allow other things to replace what we had as far as with that service and that genuine touch, that, that uh, serving others that w once uh, was possessed in our lives. And so um, here Paul, uh, you know, tells us, hey, man, he wasn't against high tech. Uh, you know, he was into that, that uh, uh, you know, into the knowledge of the Bible and the theology and missions and planning it out, but also uh, he believed in genuine touch. You know, uh, Paul, you, I guess you could say, as one person put it, was a high-tech man, uh, but he was also a high-touch person. Uh, he believed in touching other people's lives. And so in verse 8, now for now we really live if you stand firm in your relationships. He was a man who believed in the authentic touch. He knew if you had high tech without having high touch, you wouldn't have good solid growth. 
So he was a man who believed in relationships. Relationships are so important. What? In the family, aren't they? They're be- between husband and wife. In, with children. Uh, in relationships at work. Uh, working with your boss and with the, the employees and different people coming together. You need to come together and work together. As a country, you need it. And especially here as a church, as uh, that entity that uh, God uses, uh, that uh, he helps further his kingdom here on earth. And so uh, Paul was certainly a man that believed in the genuine touch, the authentic touch. Churches can have beautiful buildings. They can look great on the outside. They can look great on the inside. As far as the aesthetics are concerned, you can have well-organized uh, machinery, uh, programs and different things running. And that, these are all good, not against any of that. You can have great sounding choirs. You can have wonderful teachers and, and uh, classes. And you can have strong preaching. You can be considered that well-running machine as far as the church is concerned. And, and uh, the convention and, and other churches look to you. And uh, a lot of times they'll see these large churches that are running and operating. And they'll say, okay, what makes it tick? What makes it run? And, you know, and sometimes it's in small ch- or smaller churches. And they see the organization and everything running and, and you know, uh, uh, things hopping. But... That does not mean that they will automatically have relationships, that there will automatically be relationships. This is something that we as believers have to work at. The ability to touch someone is critical. It is critical if a church wants to strive for excellence in serving the Lord. So number one, it is vital to touch others in a genuine way. I mean, we can't get around it. It is vital. It is of utmost importance to touch others in a genuine way. Now, why is it important? Well, we need to understand our enemy better to understand why it's so important. We have an enemy who is attempting in every way possible to stop the mission of the Lord. To stop the mission of the church. He does not like for God to get the glory. We've talked about that before. And he rebelled in, in heaven. He was uh, one of the archangels. And, and uh, he wanted the glory himself. He didn't want to give it to God. And so uh, he hates for God to get the glory. And when we are in rebellion and when we're not doing what we need to do then we are falling into his trap, aren't we? When we sin and, and, and we uh, falter and we fall by the wayside and, and the church doesn't help us uh, to pull us back or doesn't discipline those who have fallen away and like we talked about this morning and we don't follow through with what God has set up and we don't reach out to those who are hurting and, and, and who are having difficulty, then what the enemy is doing is he is accomplishing his goal and that is stopping the church short of what it needs to be and and when he does that then who gets the glory he does he knows that he says look at what i've done 
You know, I, you know, I've stopped them. I've stopped God's work. And so we need to realize that he is real and he won't stop it at anything uh, in try, getting his, uh, his program and his goal accomplished. So the reality of Satan, for we wanted to come to you, Paul said, more than once, and yet Satan thwarted us. The enemy thwarted us. Satan does not want that personal touch in the church. Satan knows that the uh, personal touch is a sign of caring, and he doesn't want that caring. He likes for people to be independent, thinking about themselves only, like he does. And it's a lot harder to break up a church and its mission if they are genuine in their touch, and he realizes that. And so he tries to get them separated, get them off course, get, them, uh, get their vision distorted to the point where they are not a touching church. A touching in the sense of being real, reaching out, loving others, caring for others. If it's an impersonal church, then he knows the genuine mission will soon dissipate. God's genuine mission and it will dissolve. Loners can't survive. And Satan wants the church to be made up of loners. Loners live in private. They care only for themselves. And they don't care to touch other lives. They begin to, uh, you know, uh, to, to live in a world that, that we talked about last week. That two-tier world of only the truth. No feeling, no subjection, uh, subjectionism uh, there. And so they begin to live purely in that world of facts where there is little or no faith and there is less and less dependence upon the Lord. Paul tells the Thessalonian believers, we tried to come to you numerous times, but Satan hindered our coming. Paul wanted to come to see them. And how they were faring. But Satan put up numerous roadblocks. In chapter 3 verse 5. For this reason when we could endure it no longer. I also sent to find out about your faith. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you. And our labor should be in vain. We were what? Concerned that the devil had kept us from you and had discouraged you and deceived you so that you had dropped out of the mission of God. Now I'm not talking about losing their salvation. I'm just talking about not doing God's work that they had been called to do. Paul was worried about the devil blocking the spiritual journey of their life. And Paul was worried that the work he and Silas and Timothy had started with them and, and God had begun in their lives might be done in vain. Now, this is not saying that they never were saved. This is not what uh, I'm talking about here. Paul was not saying that he was worried about their salvation being in vain. What he was worried about was a ministry being a waste of time. In the sense that all the time that had been spent to see and to help 
to see them uh, come to know the Lord and to help them to, to start growing in the Lord was, would be wasted. And uh, it, it's kind of like preachers and teachers that agonize in the Word and agonize over the uh, people of the church. And, uh, you know, these, these leaders, they, uh, they live the Word before the people. But if the people start living a selfish life, if they start living for their own pleasures, doing their own agenda, then you feel like, hey, all that time was wasted. You know, it was in vain. And it would be a tragedy to find out the work that we have done, that has been done over the years in people's lives, all of a sudden, it didn't mean anything with them. They'd fallen by the wayside. So it had been proved of no value for God's kingdom, worthless. So Paul tells them, Satan hindered me coming, but I cared for you. And that is why, the reason I cared for you, I'm showing you by sending Timothy. He said, therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. <clears throat> he knew that Satan was doing all he could to discourage the believers in their walk of faith. And he did not want them to be dropouts, to fall by the wayside. The second thing is the reality of suffering here. Look in verse 3. So that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. Two words we need to understand here. Afflictions and destined. Now destined means appointed, elected. And so what Paul is telling us is that as believers who are genuine, you don't have to look for difficulties. You don't have to look for problems. You don't have to look, go around looking for afflictions. Instead, they'll be looking for you. Troubles will find you. So, does this mean that God is mean if it says destined, appointed, they're going to find us? God has allowed it to, to happen? Does it mean that God doesn't care? No. As believers, if we're identified with Christ, the, identify, the identification with Christ means that we carry a, a target on our back. It's not like the store, but it's a big round target like that, you know. And that target on our back tells the world and the devil that we are believers and that we're genuine. And so in turn, we're trying to identify just like Christ. We're trying to be Christ-like, in other words. And so that, the devil will use the world and the flesh and everything else to shoot at us. And a target for the world and the devil is placed there. And so because of our identification with Christ, we're not excluded from problems faith in in god means you have christ in the midst of our in your troubles to help you 
but you're not exempt from troubles. If uh, you are a believer, then you will experience problems and difficulties and, and troubles. Because Jesus said that. He said that he would, and we're not any better than him, are we? We're not. <laughs> so uh, well, we're definitely not. And so we will be criticized. We will be scorned. We will be rebuked. We will be talked about unjustly. And if you're always trying to live without persecution, then more than likely you're probably living a life of compromise. So if people see Jesus in us, there will be problems, unfortunately. The world and Satan had Jesus killed. And they know that the church is the body of Christ. And so persecution will come our way. Satan, he loves carnal Christians because he knows that they're going to be quiet. They're glad to, uh, to live in that upper tier if you will that private subjective relative tier where you don't have to uh, uh, make a voice or you don't have to live a life that uh, is identifying with Christ you can live any old way you want to and call yourself a Christian Satan knows that carnal Christians are going to be mute and let a Christian though start walking in the spirit talking about Jesus and sharing him with the lost, being excited about serving God and serving the church, then they had better watch out, for Satan doesn't like that. They will, there will be trouble. I can remember out in Oklahoma when we had this young person that was saved in, in uh, this revival meeting or whatever, and he was very talented and and we, uh, the church wanted to call him, uh, uh, he loved to sing, and he loved to record, and so uh, they wanted to call him to, to lead in music. Well, I said, you know, this guy's a young convert, I don't mind him coming, but I said, you better stay with him because watch out. And boy, they said, man, he's just exciting to be around, he, you know, that new faith and all that. Well, sure was, until trouble started to come. Criticism started to flow. Persecution started to affect him. And pretty soon, you didn't see him in church anymore. You didn't see him any longer around. Carnal believers are acceptable for Satan because they're quiet. And they don't cause them any problems. Matter of fact, more than likely, they work for his benefit. Paul tells us, because committed believers are going to be attacked by Satan and his army. He says authentic believers need to be touching each other with that caring touch. We need to be reaching out to one another. We need to be concerned for one another. We need to be helping each other when we can. Believers don't need to suffer alone. Now, I'm not talking about just believers that you are close to. That's good, and you should. We always have those close friends. But how many of us reach out beyond our close-knit group of people to other people and try to encourage them? A lot of people just want to be encouraged. 
but they don't want to reach out and encourage others. And so believers don't need to suffer alone. Paul uh, was with the Thessalonian believers only a short time. But he said, for indeed when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know, in verse 4. Jesus told his disciples in John 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you have peace. But in the world you have tribulation. But take courage, though. I have overcome the world. He was letting his disciples know that it's not that you might have tribulation from the world, but that you will have tribulation from the world. So if you're a believer, we're to expect tribulation. Don't let it catch you off guard. Expect trouble. for a Christ- And I'm not talking about going out and... and and force, I mean, making it on yourself. Uh, bring it on yourself. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just living the godly life. Don't be surprised when it comes. And um, he goes on and he says uh, in verse 7, he tells them that it was their faith that kept him going when the going was tough. For this reason, brethren, in distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. Paul knew that the work with the Thessalonians was not in vain. A few years ago, and you may recall this, a preacher friend of mine uh, that is very close to Debbie and I, his family, and their children close to our children, and a tragic accident happened, a tragic thing happened, and that was that the, uh, one of the, the children had a seizure and, and died. And when that child or that young person, she had just been married, not married young, uh, long, uh, they called us late one night or early one morning, I forgot when it was, and they said, could you go to the hospital, her husband? And they had not, like I said, they had not been married long, this young girl, uh, uh, needs some comfort. Uh, and they told us what had happened. So we were closer to the hospital, Gwinnett Hospital, than they were. So we ran, uh, we got, uh, you know, ready and ran down there uh, in the car and, and stayed with them and ministered to them. And they finally got there, and unfortunately the child died. And, but during this time, while she was in the hospital, um, not only did they we were there trying to minister to them, but their church constantly came in and tried to minister to them. And afterwards also. And this is what it's all about. It's not just when troubles come. We should be encouraging one another and walking with one another and strengthening one another along the way. We should let each other know that we care about one another. The test for a church to show its genuineness is not to let the church hurt alone. People to hurt alone. Uh, back in verse 3, it says, So that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. And the word Paul used here for disturbed speaks, uh, speaks of a dog's tail wagging, going back and forth. 
And so Paul did not want the Thessalonian believers in their spiritual walk to be that way. In other words, going back and forth, committed, non-committed, and all this. Uh, you know, Paul did not want them being caught off guard when troubles came. Uh, and he didn't want them to start wagging in their spiritual life to be shaken, to be led astray, or to fall away. Paul wanted the believers to be consistent with their spiritual life. Paul wanted them to be able to stand firm, to be steadfast in tough times, not to be lured away, not to be enticed by the prospect of an easier life. So one big test to see how spiritual we are when troubles come is to see how we handle them and to see how we handle our lives when others are in tough times to help them. So a way to see how strong a tea bag is is to what? Put it in hot water. Similar way is to see how strong believer is when the world starts falling apart around them. And you're there also to see how both of you respond, how you reach into each other's lives and help each other. What helps believers during times of trouble is a genuine touch of concern and care from other believers. Paul is telling us that believers need to touch each other because Satan will touch them in a difficult way to try and cause them to fall away. The only way to persevere through hard times is with a growing faith. And anybody can be spiritual in good times, can't we? When there's nothing wrong, everybody seems to love God. It's easy to love God, or they can say they do. When your emotions are running high from, time, uh, from times of good feeling, from those uh, times where you've come out of a great time of uh, awakening or revival, or you know, uh, and you're not experiencing any difficulty, uh, God is great. We used to take these young people when we were over in Augusta to a week of camp. We did not let them bring phones. We did not let them have TVs. We did not let them have radios. Everything was based around God's Word. And we just spent time with them during that week. We brought the music man with us and his wife, and they would practice a musical along with having a program time where Debbie uh, set up a lot of uh, the, the, the meetings and, and what would go on and, and a lot of the individual times where kids would get together and they'd open up their envelopes and have something spiritual to do or something spiritual to read. And, and uh, uh, then I would do Bible studies uh, and uh, a worship time at night, but two or three Bible studies during uh, the day. And then we had free time, and during our free time, it was uh, organized free time. We would have activities where uh, they worked together in fellowship, and, and they competed with one another, and they had fun together. They didn't just run wild and go and do their thing. And so, boy, you know, we saw a lot of people get saved. Uh, we saw a lot of people uh, renew their faith in the Lord and uh, recommit their lives to the Lord, and it was an exciting time. But one thing that we began to drill into their minds is, and they recognize this, they would bring it to our attention. When you get back home, you're around TV, 
you're around other people at school, you're around all kinds of music, you're around all kinds of things that are going on. They said, you know, I wished I was back at camp. Yeah, because you were isolated there. What you've got to do is what you learned during that week is to put it in practice, to help one another, to encourage one another, to put that touch uh, together uh, amongst one another, to have that authentic touch, to, you know, to work together to be stronger in the Lord. Um, when there's no pressure, God can be so wide that you can't seem to get around him like these kids were experiencing at camp. When life is great, man, he was a rose of sharing to them. When they were uh, well and feeling good and together and, and at these camps, he was a bomb of Gilead. Nothing was affecting them in any way. When there was troubled, no troubled water, he was the, uh, the great bridge over troubled water. But the real test comes when they get back in the real world. When there's troubles, when there's sickness, when there's problems, when the world seems to collapse around them. That's why we need to be people of the word, but people of the word that will help and encourage one another. The test of faith demands that there be people who touch you and help hold you up. Our faith overcomes the world. And we're sent to help the, that person in their faith as we touch them with that caring touch, encouraging them. We as a church need to help people realize that, hey, when we leave these four walls, there's a world out there. And we're not going to be around everyone in here that will, you know, make us feel better and especially the Lord. We're going to be out there sometimes by ourselves. And we need to let each other know when you're having problems and difficulties, when you're down. Call people, let, you know, find out how they're doing. You know, talk to them, whatever it is. Encourage one another and know that there's people that you can call on to help you. And we, te we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. Paul wanted the development of their faith to continue. Paul let them know that genuine believers are destined for afflictions, but he also wanted them to know that he cared for them and that there were believers to help them along the way. Genuine believers. So Paul tells us to count on that conflict. You know, when I was, I tried to play ball when I was younger, and, and I, you know, I, I didn't prove to be a, a great athlete, although in my mind I was hoping that I'd be a great athlete, but I, I wasn't that great. But I enjoyed playing. Oh, man, I grew up playing. And football, I gave up baseball. Dad wanted me to continue in baseball, and I probably should have, but I gave up baseball later on in my life, and I started playing football. I just love football so much. Well, I remember breaking my leg playing football, having to be in a traction, cast up to my waist, my leg bent in the hospital, hurting, man, him setting that bone. It, uh, and for a young kid, you know, uh, 
it, it was difficult. Broke two bones. And, uh, you know, I was there a lot of times by myself. But most of the time, my mom tried to be there. And she was an encouragement. And she was a big help. And also, what was an encouragement is when team players would come up there. And they would come there and visit and try to lift up my spirits. It's good for us as believers to have brothers and sisters close by lending their hand and their faith to help us in our faith. There's going to be testing. There's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. We're going to stop here. I've got two more points, but I'm not going to get to it tonight. But uh, I want us to think about that. Let's be genuine in our faith. How do we be genuine? Well, number one is, Paul tells us, let's realize that there's going to be testing and trials out there. So to be genuine, we need to acknowledge that in our own life, be prepared for it, but also acknowledge it for other believers and us help one another. Not tear down one another as, as some churches do, but let's help one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's reach out with that caring touch. Let people know that you care. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just I want to thank you for your wonderful love and your grace. And Lord, for the challenge that you put before us. And I pray that we will rise up to that challenge, that we will be that genuine church that we need to be. And, and Lord, that we will touch lives the way that you would have us touch them. There's many people out there that are hurting. There's many people that feel alone. There's many people that feel rejected. And, and Lord, there's many people that feel like giving up. I pray that you'll lead us to those people to help them and to encourage them. But not only that, but help us in staying on top of this by calling and contacting and, and being there to help believers that are walking in the faith. Because at any time, any one of us could stumble and fall, get discouraged, and feel like dropping out. So let's reach out with that genuine touch, realizing that every one of us face troubles and difficulties. And Lord, just be there for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.